Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. I'd like to start off this morning with um, a little audience participation. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Um, what I'd like you to do is turn to the person next to you, okay? And I know some of you are already saying, I'm not going to do it. Okay, humor me, okay? Just humor me with this one, okay? It's not going to be that hard. Just turn to the person next to you and tell them what was your, the worst experience you had at work this week, okay? Your worst work experience this week, whatever it was, um, you know, take a few minutes. I'll give you about uh, 20 seconds or so. Go ahead. Go now. All right. I'd like you to do one more thing now. Turn to the same person and tell them what was the best experience you had at work this week, okay? Rack your brains. There might be something, okay? Take a few minutes to do that. All right. Just out of curiosity, who won for the best week at work in you, between you? Okay, one, two, three. How many won for the worst week between you? Eh, a few, okay. How many don't really care at all one way or the other? I said humor me. Okay. Um, we're, we're in the series. We started actually last week um, entitled The Call and um, looking at how God's call rests on our life. And we started last week looking at how Jesus called um, fishermen to come and follow him. And one of the great discoveries of that as we went through that story together is that God is actually interested in your work. God is interested in every aspect of your life, and that includes your work. Jesus went and met them at their workplace and called them. That God has an interest in your whole life, and that includes your work. And very often when we talk about calling, um, usually it has to do with work or, or vocation. In fact, actually, that's what the word vocation literally means. It's Latin for call. And usually when we talk about that, we have in mind, um, you know, people who are in ministry maybe, like pastors or, or missionaries, you have a call on your life. Or maybe, maybe it's somebody who's got like a really one of those high-stress, high-calling high kind of jobs, and you just say, man, you've got to have a special calling to do that job. But I want you to know, I have this firm belief that every one of us has a calling. Every one of us. And last week we talked about, we are called to follow. Wherever it is, wherever we find ourselves right now, we are called to follow Christ. But then the second thing, what we're going to talk about today is our calling when it comes to our work. What does that look like in the workplace? Because I believe everyone has a calling. And some days are better than others, and some days it might be easier to believe than others. But the truth is that God has a calling on your life, and it involves your work. It involves your job. It involves your career. And so that's what we're going to look at together this morning. If you want to turn to Colossians chapter 3, if you want to use one of the Bibles that are provided for you there, it's page 1167. And um, we're going to follow. And let me, by the way, set up the context of all of this, okay? Because um, this letter is written to a group of believers in a city called Colossae. And he's writing this letter to them. And in this particular section, he's addressing specific people. He's addressing slaves 
and masters. Now, he's not endorsing slavery, okay? Although these passages have been used for that, okay? But that's not what he's doing. He is working within the culture. And they didn't have like a middle class like we do. They didn't have careers and job opportunities like we do, you know? It was a pretty big separation. And so when he's talking to these people, um, he's talking to slaves and he's talking about masters, but none of us are slaves here and none of us are masters, although you might think you are. Uh, You don't own the people that work under you, but all of us fit somewhere in between. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 22, Paul writes these words, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And let's stop for a minute there. If you were writing a letter to a slave, what would you write to them? Get out! No, do whatever you can, escape. Get out of there. You weren't meant to be a slave. But Paul doesn't do that. He addresses them where they are. And he goes on to masters. Just be the best master you can. Now, what would you say to masters? You shouldn't have slaves. Just let them go. But Paul's working within the culture. So he says, um, obey your earthly masters. Not just to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, he says, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong. There is no favoritism. And masters, provide for your slaves what is right and fair. Because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So he's addressing these two extremes, slaves and masters, and we all fit somewhere in between those two extremes. And there's principles here that have to do with calling and following through on what it is God has for our lives. And that means whether you work in an office or on a job site, in a classroom or in the home, if you're retired, if you're in between jobs, wherever you are at, there is a calling on your life, and it has to do with your career. And so what we're going to look at this morning a little bit is, what does that have to do with it? Calling, what does calling have to do with my career? And there's some observations I just want to make this morning. The first one is this. Your calling starts where you are. Your calling starts where you are, not where you wish you are. Because too often when we think about calling, we focus on the wrong things. We, we, we focus on the where or the what. What is it God wants me to do? What job should I take? Where should I go with this? But that's not where God's focus is. Because when you have that focus in your mind, then you tend to look at your present situation as a barrier. And you're always thinking about, okay, when I get that dream job, you know, when, when I, when, if only I could do, if, when I get that promotion, when I get out on my own and have my own business, then I'll be able to full, fulfill God's call on my life. But that's not what he says. He says, whatever you do, that's pretty broad. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. In fact, it's so important, he actually says it twice in this section. Verse 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, we focus on the wrong thing. We think calling has to do with where I'm supposed to go or what I'm supposed to do. But what God focuses is how you do it. That's where he's looking. He says, whatever you do, and remember, he's talking to servants here. He's talking to slaves. Okay, so if you're thinking, well, like, you know, this doesn't apply to me because you don't know what I do. You know, my job is so menial. He's talking to servants. He's talking to slaves. And if he can say to them, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. So the Lord, then he can say it to you, too. We focus on the wrong thing. My dad was a building contractor. And so growing up, 
um, I got started working for him. That's how I earned my money in the summers when I got my car and I you know, got into my teenage years. Started working for him and, and did carpentry for all the way through high school, all the way through college. And, and then I graduated college and got my first ministry position. I went off to Oregon and was a youth pastor. Uh, at a church up in Astoria area in Oregon. And I was there for about three or four years, and then from there moved up to further north, uh, up into Washington, and I was an associate pastor at a church there. And I was on the career track, you know, because that's how pastors do it. You know, you start as a youth pastor, and you get an associate pastor, and, you know, not really. Okay, so I got that. And then, after a year, ended up without a job. Just everything fell apart. Ended up without a job. No ministry opportunities, nothing on the horizon, so I moved back, and I went back to work for my dad in carpentry. And I worked for him for about another two or three years. And then I got an opportunity at the church that I was working at, um, attending, to, to work part-time there. So I worked part-time carpentry and part-time at the church. And I loved it because I was getting back into ministry. And then that became a full-time position at the church. And then we went to plant Northgate, and it was starting all over again. Because, you see, like we only had 12 people and, and all of their giving, those faithful they were and giving their tithes, it wasn't enough for a salary, you know? So I went back to work in carpentry again. And so it's been this kind of back and forth thing for me all along throughout most of my adult life. Um, carpentry, ministry, carpentry, ministry. And there were some times in carpentry where I'd just be so frustrated because this is not what I want to do with my life. I want to be serving God. I want to be serving in a church. I want to be pastoring people. I want to... And it was so frustrating until I began to learn that it's not where or what, it's how. And I began to understand, this is where God has me right now. And so my job is to be the best carpenter I can possibly be. To do my job with as much skill as I possibly, to learn as much as I can, even though I don't see this as my life calling, even though I don't want to do this for the rest of my life, even though it's sometimes miserable to get up on a Monday morning, my job is to fulfill the calling where he has me right now. Because you see, if your calling can't start where you are now, it'll never start. It can't start at all. Do you know that Jesus spent more of his life in carpentry than he did in ministry? He only did ministry for about three years. The rest of his life growing up, up until the age 30, he was a carpenter. He spent more time in that. Now, do you think... He just did the sloppy job in his carpentry. It's like, well, this isn't my calling. I'm just putting in my time here, you know, there are two or three, four years. You know, then I'll really do what I want. I believe, I don't know it for sure, but I believe he was the best carpenter he could be. I believe he made the best tables and chairs in all of Nazareth because he understood something about calling. God's plan for your life, your call begins here and now where you are here and now. Because think about it. You spend at least one-third of your adult life on the job. One-third of your adult life. Now, if Christ is going to be Lord of your life and you're going to be a Christ follower, how can you disregard one whole third of your existence? <laughs> and if you think about your waking hours, it's half of your waking hours. If Jesus can't be your Lord, if you can't follow him wholeheartedly on your job, you're saying half of my waking hours have nothing to do with God. And that just isn't the case. Your calling is where you are right now. And so the task is to find significance, find your calling, find your purpose where you are right now. Tony Campolo tells the story of his wife, Peggy. Um, 
when, when she became a, a mother and decided to become a stay-at-home mom and raise their kids because that was the thing. And, and she would go to like these parties and go to these um, conferences and things, and, and people would always kind of, you know, looking down on her, say, so what do you do? And, you know, it's kind of embarrassing to say, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom. You know, it didn't seem all that glamorous or anything. So, so she actually developed a, a, a new answer for this. So when people would say to her, so what do you do? She would say, I am socializing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of the social order into the kind of eschatological utopia that God has willed from the beginning of creation. (laughs) And then she would turn and say, and what do you do? (laughs) Beat that. See, do what God has called you to do now. Here and now. Because your calling starts where you are. You have a contribution to make wherever you are. You have something to learn wherever you are. And instead of thinking about someday, someday, then I'll give it my best. Then I'll be faithful. Then I will learn. Then I will fulfill my calling. Start now. Message paraphrase translate verse 25 this way. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. So wherever you are, that's where your calling starts. So start fulfilling your calling where you are. Second observation. When it comes to your calling, your character matters more than your career. Your character matters as much as or more than your career. He says, slaves obey your earthly masters in everything. Don't just do it, don't please them when their eye is watching you. Do it all. See, this has to do with your integrity. It has to do with your motivation. Why do you get up and go to work? What is it that motivates you? Is it promotion or chance for advancement? Is it the recognition and prestige that comes with the title? Is it for the bonuses or the paycheck? What is it that motivates you in your work? Because if you're just motivated by a paycheck, and I know a lot of people that that's it. They go to work so they can get the money to do what they want to do on the weekends. Kind of like the, you know, the bumper sticker, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. You know? And that's it. That's their motivation. That is very, very short-term motivation. Because after a while, if that's the only thing you're working for, They can't pay you enough to do what you don't like doing. In fact, recent surveys they've done with regard to job satisfaction, recent surveys indicate there is virtually no difference, no difference in the job satisfaction between those who make $50,000 or more a year and those who make $15,000 or less a year. There's virtually no difference statistically between those who say they are satisfied with their job. And that, by the way, in our economy continues to go down. Most recent survey I saw said that less than 39% of the workforce said that they were satisfied or extremely satisfied with their work. Less than 39%. Only 20% said they are passionate about their job. 33% believe they have reached a dead end in their career. And 16% responded they are extremely dissatisfied with their work. So if you're just working for a paycheck, that's good for the short term, but that's not going to keep you motivated. Job satisfaction doesn't come from how much money you make. 
fact, some studies have indicated actually there is a correlation between job satisfaction and physical health and mental health. They've actually been doing some studies on this. And I don't know if it's completely true, but there's a great deal of evidence that suggests that those who enjoy their work live longer. And those who are dissatisfied with their work die sooner. So hearing that, how many of you are convinced you could die at any moment? (laughs) Satisfaction doesn't come from the paycheck. How we do our work is more central to our calling than the what or the where. And that has to do with whether you were an employee or an employer, both alike. He goes on and says, Masters, provide for your slaves what is right and fair. You have a responsibility. If you are an employer, if you are a boss, if you're a supervisor, if you have people under you, you have a responsibility to those people. There's a member of our church is in the construction trades. And and, um, a couple of years ago, he decided that he was going to take his crew union. Now, if you are if you are a contractor, that is like one of the hardest decisions in the world to make. But he made that decision because he decided he could not provide the benefits and the care for his workers that he wanted to provide on his own. And the only way to do that was to have their whole shop go union. That is a huge decision. It cuts into profit margin, if there's any left after that. But he felt the responsibility to his work crew. We are called to integrity in every aspect of our life, and that includes our job. And it has to do with our behavior on the job, and it also has to do with our productivity in our work. That, yes, we should be people of character, and our behavior should reflect that. That as followers of Christ, we ought to be on time to work every single day. In fact, maybe even a little bit early. You ought to be ready to go. My my dad used to tell me, the workday doesn't start at 8 o'clock with you pulling up to the job. At 8 o'clock, your hammer is in hand, and you're driving the first nail. (laughs) That's the call of Christ on our lives. That we don't leave early. You know, the boss goes out early, so we just kind of cut out a little bit early too. You don't pilfer office supplies, okay, as a Christ follower. You live with integrity. You don't spend your time on Facebook when the boss is paying you. You don't do it just when his eye is on you, and then as soon as he's gone, you go right back on. That's integrity. It has to do with your behavior, but it also has to do with your job productivity because I know Christians who who live very integrous lives when it comes to their behavior and they're very conscientious and diligent in their work, but when it comes to getting the job done, they kind of slack off, and it's both. See, integrity without productivity, that's unethical, and productivity without integrity is also unethical. You need both. We were talking about this um, this week in our community group because uh, the subject came up from last week's sermon and last week's lesson, and we were talking about it. And, and one of the members of our community group said, you know what, the one sentence you never want to hear from your coworkers after you've been working there a while, the one sentence you never want to hear is, I didn't know you were a Christian. Ouch. If people can't see in your work, in your productivity, in your attitude, in your behavior... Something different. 
then you're not fulfilling your calling. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. That your behavior and your productivity and your work is a reflection of God. And people ought to be able to see your life in such a way to recognize there is something different about that person. And they do their job with excellence and with integrity. And they produce for the boss who is paying them. It's part of your calling. And third observation is this. That your work has eternal significance. Your work has eternal significance, even if you can't see its eternal value. Even if you can't see how this contributes to the kingdom of God, it still has eternal significance. Because a lot of people say, well, yeah, but you don't know what I do. I mean, what I do, how in the world, there's nothing eternal of value of what I do. I mean, maybe if I was a doctor, you know, or, or maybe a, a pastor or a counselor or some kind of a caregiver where I was actually, you know, helping people in their actual everyday lives, you know, maybe if I did something like that, yeah, I could see the eternal value in that, but I'm just a plumber. I'm just a salesperson. I'm just a waiter, a waitress, a secretary. By the way, no offense to any of you who are those things, but you might have a hard time seeing, well, how does that have anything to do with eternity? See, at the very least, you are a kingdom influence where you work. At the very least, you have kingdom influence in the workplace. You are there to model grace, to extend love, to help create an atmosphere and an environment that makes the workplace enjoyable. That's your job. That's part of your job. And even, even for the difficult coworker or client. Just out of curious, how many here would say, I have a difficult coworker in my job? Anybody? Now, none of the staff better be raising their hand, okay? But just checking, okay. Even to the difficult coworker, extend grace, mercy, and love. And by the way, if you didn't raise your hand and you don't have any difficult people in your job, give us a call because we keep a list of them at the office, okay? No, I'm just kidding. You have a calling to make a difference in the workplace. And your calling is to make Life better, to make the workplace better. And the truth is, whatever you do, and it doesn't matter what you do, whatever you do, it still involves touching people's lives. It serves people. And you might say, well, yeah, but it's like six or seven degrees of separation between what I do and how it might influence somebody else's life. But it does. It still does. And it doesn't matter what you do. It touches people's lives in some way, shape, or form. And because it does that, it matters. It has eternal value. A couple of Thanksgivings ago, we had um, Thanksgiving dinner at my sister's house. And the whole family was there and a whole big meal. And, and uh, we finished and, clean, and they cleaned up the place before we had dessert and filled up the dishwasher, closed it, you know, put the soap in there, turned it on. And like the whole system was backed up. And it overflowed and there was dirty dishes and the sink backed up and everything. It was a mess. Thank God there was a plumber on call. (laughs) He saved Thanksgiving for us. He made a difference for our family celebration. See, because if you're a plumber, wherever you're working, somebody's going to live in that home. If you're a carpenter, if you're you're a, a carpet layer, 
Somebody's going to live in the place where you work now. If you work in the office, somebody benefits from what you do. If all you do is crunch numbers and look at spreadsheets all day, that impacts a lot of people's lives. And so you give it your very, very best because it has eternal significance even if you can't see the eternal value. Because your calling is to join in partnership with God's work in this world. That's the heart of our calling. That we are called to partner with God in His work in this world. What is God's work in this world? His work is the work of redemption. It is the work of reconciliation. In fact, he writes about it a little bit earlier here. Um, in Colossians 1, 19, he says, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through him to reconcile to himself what? All things. Not some things. Not just people, that God's redemptive work in this world is to reconcile all of creation, everything. That is his redeeming and reconciling work. And yes, it involves you. It touches your life. It changes your life. It it involves you being reconciled back to God. Yes, that's a big, big part of it. But that's not the only part of it. That through Christ, God is reconciling all things back to him. And it's your job and my job to participate in his reconciling work in this world in some way, shape, or form. And to do that, he has given each and every one of us certain gifts and certain abilities and certain talents and skills. And yours are different than mine and mine are different from others, but we've all got them. And sometimes when we talk about gifts and talents and skills, we always talk about it in terms of ministry in the church, what you do on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or something like that. But I want to tell you, God has gifted you for work in this world. That your giftings and your skills and your talents are not just for what you do that ministers to the body of Christ. It's what you do out in the world. And that's why knowing what your gifts and your talents and skills and abilities are is so important. That's why Paul wrote to the Roman church, Romans 12, and it's verse 3, by the way. Um, It's incorrect on your outline there. It says, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Take an assessment. You need to know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Where am I good? Where do I need work? What are my gifts and my talents and abilities? How can I use those in God's redemptive work in this world? Because that's your calling, to use whatever he's given you, wherever you are. And that's why, if you change jobs, you take that with you, and you bring it to bear in your new job. And wherever you end up, Your job is to use what God has given you for his kingdom's sake. And every job experience that you have adds to that. And the experiences and the learnings that come from that build on and make you better for the next job. Or maybe you stay in that same job all the way to retirement. You are constantly learning and growing and bringing to bear what God has given to you into the workplace where you serve. That's doing his reconciling work. That's making a difference. That's your call. To use whatever God has given you, whenever you get the opportunity, wherever you happen to be. Use what he's given you where you are. Now, we live in an economy right now in our country where, you know, job security is like nil. And, and, and you know, some people are, you know, right now are in between jobs in our church family. Some are looking for new jobs because you got the word down, you know, the rumor is your section's closing down. And part of what you can be doing right now is just assessing, where are my strengths? Where are my gifts? Where are my talents? 
Where would God be leading me to use these things? And if your job is secure and where you're at, then how do you use those things where you are now? Stacey Lures, member of our church, um, just recently came um, as a volunteer um, director on our pastoral staff. Um, just, we don't pay her anything, but she's got the title, okay? And, and she's kind of taken over all of our first face ministry. What has to do with anything that, that, that people experience when they come, when they walk through the doors, are they wel- warmly welcomed? Do they may, are made feel at home? Um, when they drive up on the campus, what does that look like? How can we make people feel at home and comfortable here? And, and she came to this position. Um, her story is a, a really cool story, and I've asked her if she would share it this morning. So Stacy would come, um, and as she come, if you just kind of give her some encouragement by a round of applause. I'm going to have her share her story with you. Good morning. It's almost afternoon, and it's gorgeous out there today, let me tell you. Okay, so... As Ken said, he asked me to share a little bit about what's going on in my life. Um, And really, I've had some amazing things happen in the last seven months. But to get to that part, I need to start a little sooner than that and tell you guys what my job was. Um, I was a district manager for American Greetings. Um, I would manage 13 different stores, and I traveled through four different states. Um, As you guys all know who've been in the workforce, every job has its demands and things that you love about it. Some of the demands on mine, which I didn't know when I signed up for the job, was that I would be traveling every single week. I would fly out on a Tuesday, and I would fly home on a Friday. And if I wasn't flying somewhere, I drove out on a Tuesday and didn't get home till Friday. So every single week, I was on the road. I had Saturdays and Sundays, unless it was a holiday. And you guys know how cards are. There's a holiday for everything. (laughs) So if it was a big holiday of any kind, I also had to work on the weekends. So I typically got three days a week with my husband, um, if I was lucky, uh, especially during the holidays. Um, Definitely one of the demands, something that was very difficult, were the hours. One of the other things I had to contend with, I had stores in four states if somebody quit. I had a a team that was sick. I either had to fly there and take care of it and work the store myself, or I had to scramble at the last minute to get people to step in. A lot of stress, (laughs) a lot of different things. On the other side of it, there were so many things I absolutely loved about my job. I loved working and training with my staff. There's nothing more rewarding than getting to train and work with somebody and develop that person and get to see them reach their potential and do amazing things. Um, The other thing I loved was going into a store and seeing what worked, what didn't work, how could we redesign this, how can we change the fixtures, and just the overall layout of the stores, something I absolutely loved. Um, With all of that... Um, I wanted to let you know that um, I recently had a daughter. She is now seven months old in December. But uh, in the beginning of December, I was notified that I no longer had a job. That they didn't have a need for me. I was too expensive because of the fact that I did fly so many places and traveled so much. Now, it turned out to be a huge blessing because I was getting ready to have a baby. And they um, were a great company and took care of me and uh, basically kept me on through my maternity leave. Um, And so it worked out to be quite a blessing, and and they were very good to me. But it was the end of that chapter, and it was very scary, and not knowing what was ahead. And uh, so it has been very interesting. I spent a couple months being a mom, and let me tell you, that's a lot of work, as it is. (laughs) Um, But then I started thinking, you know, what can I do? And um, I got to talk with Brian, who... um, 
obviously he's leading worship and we were talking about different things and he told me about the Resource Center. It's a place where we're selling books and things that we're using as tools and it's recommended things. I'm like, you know what? I can do that. I can run that. I know how to do that. <laughs> I've been in retail. I can sell stuff. Um, I can get a team in place. As we started talking a little bit more, we started talking about the First Impressions Ministry. You know what? I know how to say hi to people I don't know. I know how to put together a team who knows how to do that as well. <laughs> so, you know, okay, well, let's do this. It's been really amazing to see the things that I learned in, in my job as to how where I'm at in my life right now, God's using those for, for things in the church and just giving me the opportunity to do something that I didn't really realize that's what I was working into, and that was what God's plan was for me. Um, you know, he's been able to provide for me, and it's, it's just amazing to see how he's been working and what he's done. And I look back at things that I did in my job where I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm doing this. Why am I learning this? And I look back now, I'm like, oh, got it, God. <laughs> so, you know what? I just encourage and, and uh, each and every one of you to take a look. And in that time where you're like, why am I here? To just know that God's going to use it in some way. Okay. Now, your gifts and talents may not make you, let you end up you know, working in the church, but wherever you are, you've got gifts and abilities and talents, and you can use those for the kingdom of God. Each experience, each job adds to it, and it grows you. But you start where you are. And one of the great things that you can do is, is learn how to better be an extension of God's kingdom in this world, in the workplace. So here's your homework. Okay? This is your homework. Take out your pens and paper. Okay, This is going to be your homework. What if, what if for just one day, okay, we won't take the whole week, but just start tomorrow morning. If for one day, tomorrow, you decided that you would do your work with all of your heart as to the Lord, what would that look like? If you got up tomorrow morning and went to the job and you decided for this one day, I will work at this with all my heart as to the Lord, what would it look like? How would it change your attitude? How would it change your interactions with the people you work with or the clients that you serve? How would it change the quality of your work, your diligence to the tasks? How would it change the way you arrive at work in the morning and the way you go home. That's your homework. For just one day, just one day, Lord, today I work with all my heart as if you're the only boss I have. I do this for you. And then, at the end of the day, take a few moments and review. Just take some time and think about how were things different today? You know, by the way, because a lot of people think work is part of the curse, you know, that we're, because of sin, now we have to work. Work was what God designed us to do. When he, when he created Adam and Eve, their job was to take care of the garden. He gave them a job. For, and in fact, it's a reflection of God's character because God works. Read the creation story. Every day he works. 
He works and he creates and he fashions and he forms and it was evening and it was morning and it was the next day and God said, it's good. And the next day he got up and he created and, then, and it was good. And he came to the end of his work week and he sat back and he looked at it and it says when God saw all that he had made, it was very good. What if we could look back on a single day at what we have done and how we have done it and to say, that was very good. So that's your homework this week. That's your homework. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. 